Welcome to the Shortwave Report. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. The Shortwave Report is a 30-minute review of news and opinion heard on the shortwave radio and the internet in Northern California. Listening to international broadcasts at home is quite easy. You just need a shortwave radio with a schedule of English language broadcast or a computer or smartphone with an internet connection. To help you with this, I'll announce times, frequencies, and website addresses at the conclusion of each series of stories. At the website for this show, that's out. Farpress.com. You can listen to the past five shortwave reports, find advice for listening to shortwave at home, and find internet links for global news sources. Please check it out and tell a friend. In today's edition, you'll hear reports from NHK Japan, Russia's Sputnik Radio, Radio Havana Cuba, and Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. We will begin with NHK World Radio Japan. Money is being set aside for fishermen as the Japanese government moves forward with plans for releasing much larger quantities of contaminated water from the devastated Fukushima nuclear power plant into the Pacific Ocean. The U.S. has invited Taiwan to a democracy summit next month. China, which is not invited, opposes the move. NHK Japan We begin with new developments involving the crippled nuclear power plant in Fukushima. People in the fishing industry are worried after the government announced a scheme to release treated water from the plant into the ocean. Now, officials are planning to set up a fund of about $260 million to minimize any negative impact on the industry. Water has been accumulating at the plant since it was devastated by a massive earthquake and tsunami 10 years ago. The water, used to cool molten nuclear fuel, mixes with groundwater and contaminates it. The treatment process removes most of the radioactive material, but tritium remains. Government officials say the treated water will be diluted, so the concentration of the radioactive element is well below national and global standards. The officials maintain that the water released will not damage the environment. But they say the planned fund will be used to buy unsold marine products and to pay for storage. Another urgent issue is how to remove molten fuel from the three reactors that sustained meltdowns. NHK has learned that the operator plans to start a robot survey of the number one reactor from mid-January. Officials with the Tokyo Electric Power Company plan to send submersible robots into the facility to locate and examine the nuclear debris. They're also hoping to collect samples. Previous surveys of the other two reactors confirmed the presence of deposits believed to be fuel debris. The United States has invited Taiwan to its first democracy summit next month. China, which has not been invited, opposes the move. The U.S. government on Tuesday made public a list of about 110 countries and regions that will join the Summit Summit for Democracy to be held online on December 9th and 10th. Washington says the three key themes of the meeting are defending against authoritarianism, addressing and fighting corruption, and promoting respect for human rights. Japan, European countries, and other democracies have also been invited. In addition to China, the U.S. has also excluded Russia. It views both as authoritarian states. 
The administration of U.S. President Joe Biden said relations with China are a battle between democracy and autocracy. Observers say the U.S. wants to counter China by strengthening cooperation with its allies and friendly nations that value democracy. China reacted sharply. China firmly opposes any official interaction between the U.S. and Taiwan. China urges the U.S. to honor the One China principle when addressing issues related to Taiwan. Those reports were from NHK World Radio Japan. They are now heard from 8.30 to 9 p.m. at 7245 and 9865 or on the web at www.3.nhk.or.jp. All the times I announce are for Pacific Standard Time, so please adjust them to your time zone. Next, Sputnik Radio. On his program called Going Underground, Afshin Ritansi interviewed filmmaker Oliver Stone about his just-released documentary called JFK Revisited Through the Looking Glass. Joe Biden just blocked releasing secret documents that might prove CIA involvement in the assassination of John Kennedy, and they discuss why. Stone talks about the power of the Pentagon and the CIA, why Kennedy was targeted, what shape democracy is in the U.S., and why Castro couldn't be killed, but Kennedy could. Also, why Robert Kennedy, who was likely to become president, needed to be killed. I have seen this documentary and I highly recommend it. Sputnik Radio. U.S. President Joe Biden refused to release secret papers that may prove CIA complicity in the assassination of the USA's 35th president, John F. Kennedy. Well, today is the 58th anniversary of the fatal shooting of alleged CIA asset Lee Harvey Oswald, accused of JFK's killing. Biden's decision to cover up documents on Castro, the CIA and JFK comes just ahead of four-time Oscar-winning director Oliver Stone premiering his new documentary, JFK Revisited Through the Looking Glass, out now in select cinemas and on streaming services. He joins me now from Los Angeles. Joe Biden has this memo. I've got the memo here from the White House about the release of papers uh, that were supposed to happen in October. Now, um, I know that uh, people had said that uh, the excuse was coronavirus as to why papers pertaining to allegations that you make in this, really, uh, perhaps. Well, that, was the official, that was the official reason, Gavin, yes. But Mr. Trump uh, broke all the rules. He... Uh, not only he backed down at the last second and refused to release a certain 20,000 roughly documents that were interesting and are not being released. Illegally, he added a step. He said that the next time the National Archives had to be also consulted. It was, it was originally a decision made by Congress that the president was the last one to say anything to stop it. And but uh, now the, the law has been changed. And now, as you say, it was supposed to come out and Biden pushed it to, uh, what is it, three years? or about well, some, years? Of the, some of the papers are in December the 15th, next month. And then no. the vast majority, uh, somehow in a year's time, I don't know where they get these uh, dates from. 
I mean, at the bare bones level, we're talking about the fact that uh, Lee Harvey Oswald could not have been the single shooter of John F. Kennedy, that John F. Kennedy was someone who uh, wanted detente and did not support the military-industrial complex in the United States or assassination attempts on Fidel Castro, and that there is some evidence to suggest that uh, the CIA and others were involved with um, uh, Miami Mafia and so forth. Uh, to arrange the assassination of the president of the United States. Is that the bare bones? We need these documents, obviously, that Joe Biden's hiding, but the, the evidence is pointing in that direction now. Well, here is what Joe Biden says about this uh, decision by the White House not to release uh, the documents. Temporary continued postponement is necessary to protect against identifiable harm to the military, defense, intelligence, operations, law enforcement, or the conduct of foreign relations that is of such gravity that it outweighs the public interest in immediate disclosure. That's the memo from Joe Biden uh, in the past few days. I think since Kennedy has been killed, no American president has been able to challenge the CIA, the intelligence agencies, or for that matter, the Pentagon. The budgets of these agencies keep going up and up and up, and they're, the, they're inviolable. You cannot cross into their territory. In fact, they're an autonomous part of the government. And Kennedy said that. He said, I am not in control of this government, complete control of this government. He knew it. The military was against him. The CIA was against him. He knew he was in a battle, and he knew that if he won the second term, which he looked like he would do, he would fight in another way now. He would, he would be able to have some teeth. Did you talk to uh, Fidel Castro about your uh, suspicions about the Kennedy assassination? Oh, yeah, sure. He, he knew that something had happened. He knew it was not a not, none of these. None of the major players at the time believed it was a single player. You know, uh, Bobby Kennedy didn't. Uh, Jackie Kennedy didn't. Khrushchev didn't. De Gaulle didn't. Even Lyndon Johnson was suspicious of it. He knew something had happened. The first thing he said was, were they shooting at me? They, everyone says they in this, in this regard, they knew something had happened. Johnson was trying to tamp it all down with the Warren Commission and pretend it was a one, one lone nut it would, and uh, there was no, nothing behind it. That's the whole reason that he went out of the way with his Warren Commission, which in our film, we go out of our way to, to take a shot at because it's very important to understand that the Warren Commission was crooked from the beginning. And pretty much everybody knew that in Washington. Certainly Bobby Kennedy did. Well, which is why your film JFK uh, created waves on, on the Hill itself. Biden says he's, he's going to have a huge conference next month. Uh, 100 world leaders called the, uh, I think it's called the Summit for Democracy. I don't know how you can stand for a democracy when you're breaking the rules whenever you want, when it's in your national interest to do so. And that's what's going on. And it's easy to say we're the democratic side, the free world, that uses, that, that's old propaganda. We're the free world and the Russians and the Chinese are not. And the Iranians and all the bad guys are on the other side. Well, it doesn't work that way if you go to those countries. And you have to understand there's a gray, there's gray matter. It's not black and white. And uh, when it takes $14 billion to elect a president, you've got to wonder what kind of democracy is this? I mean, you can't even get a, a congressman to talk to you unless you pay, if you have a business interest. I mean, it's very hard in Washington to get your attention for an ordinary citizen. You need money. You need lobbying weight. It's our government is totally corrupt. How is it that they tried to kill Castro, couldn't kill Castro, but they could kill Kennedy? The deep state. Yeah, I think Castro was very lucky, uh, very lucky, but uh, they just were not able to mechanically do it. Everything seemed to screw up in some way or another. On the Kennedy matter, that was well planned, and it was planned, as we can find out in the documentary, in advance. 
the president was going to get hit in the fall. He was going to get hit probably in the South, if possible. We know about the trip to Tampa. He almost got killed there. And the trip to Chicago, where he was planned to kill him. But it, Kennedy called it off 48 hours before or something like that. There was four Cubans ready to do the, the shooting. Two of them were arrested, have since disappeared. And there was an, uh, Thomas Valley was picked up as the Oswald. He was the Oswald of that case. Same profile as, as Oswald. Pro-Castro. Cuba committee and also service in the, in the military, went to Russia as a defector under the CIA program that sent defectors to Russia, brought him back. Same story, Valley was his name. It seems to me that when you killed Kennedy, if his brother had been elected, and that looked like a strong possibility in 68, a very strong possibility, and probably would have won. I think he would have beaten Nixon. But there was no question that if Robert Kennedy got into office, he was going to investigate this case because that, that would, he had the power to do it. Of course, that didn't happen. Why was Kennedy killed? Just ask yourself. I mean, it's a big deal. I mean, you have the Roosevelt administration, which is very liberal compared to the conservative ones of Eisenhower and then Truman that are Cold War administrations. If you bring back Jack Kennedy, who's, who has a vision to see a peaceful world of coexistence with the Soviet Union, he signed this nuclear test ban treaty. If he, he saw a world that could possibly move away from this tension, strategic tension that the United States had created after World War II. But there was a lot of money involved, huge amount of money going into this. And from the 1950s on, Eisenhower built it up, tremendous uh, nuclear program, as well as military industrial complex, which he warned us about, the people who attached themselves to the military for, the, for purposes of money. Kennedy saw through this and wanted to end it. He wanted to go back towards a time when Roosevelt had been president, when there had been a, a sort of what they call a New Deal liberalism. This is what he was aiming for. And that was what was a danger. The Republicans, the conservatives in our country, the hardliners hated him for this. They, they feared it because they, they just didn't want that big government that Roosevelt represented, you see. Kennedy got into this trouble with this where people were, were beginning to hate him because he was in the South, desegregating colleges, sending troops to back the desegregation against George Wallace. And in Mississippi, in a very violent confrontation, he sent his deputies and troops, marshals down there to desegregate the University of Mississippi. These are two significant things that alienated much of the South. And on top of that, didn't want to go to Vietnam, was withdrawing quietly from Vietnam, but did issue a uh, NSAM. He didn't want to, he wanted to have a detente with Cuba and he signed the nuclear, the nuclear treaty with Russia. For Christ's sake, no president could have changed America more with those, just those actions alone. Plus in Africa, in Asia, in Indo, with Indonesia, uh, in Europe, even with De Gaulle, he was trying to liberalize, trying to, in Italy, which was going to very conservative, he wanted an opening to the left. He wanted to bring in the left, the socialists into Italy. All these moves terrified a certain group of people in the United States, call it a reactionary block. There's a block of America that will never change, who once hates the Roosevelt administration, hates what they did, and feared Kennedy's administration and dynasty of his brother succeeding him in 68, Teddy Kennedy maybe in 76 and so forth. It would, it would have been another 20 years of a Roosevelt administration. Could not afford that at any cost. Bad for business. Elvis John, thank you.
That excerpted interview is by Afshin Ratansi from his program called Going Underground on Sputnik Radio, the current name for the voice of Russia, available online at rt.com, and on YouTube, search for Going Underground. Next, Radio Havana, Cuba. The Cuban president stated that the United States and Cuba could have a civilized coexistence even with their ideological differences. Nicaragua announced it will leave the Organization of American States, the OAS, following criticism of the recent re-election of Daniel Ortega. The foreign minister said that the OAS was the instrument of the United States for interference in the governments of Latin America. Radio Havana, Cuba. On Monday, Cuban President Miguel Díaz-Canel affirmed that Cuba and the United States could have a civilized coexistence within their ideological differences. In a meeting with Pastors for Peace caravan members currently visiting the island, the president said that Cuba is willing to live together in a civilized manner under conditions of equality, respect for sovereignty, independence, and without interference in internal affairs. The head of state remarked that this relationship of respect between both countries is also desired by their peoples and most of the world's nations that every year vote against the U.S. blockade against Cuba in the U.N. General Assembly. In the meeting with more than 72 caravan members from 21 different states of another nation, Diaz-Canel stressed that Washington is increasingly tightening this siege in an attempt to asphyxiate the Cuban economy and provoke a social explosion, an action that he described as very evil on behalf of one government despite having ideological differences with another. After explaining the damage caused by this policy to which the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic and the media world are added, the president highlighted the talent and resistance of the Cuban people to overcome their difficulties. In this regard, he alluded to the development of its vaccines, despite being a developing nation without resources and brutally blocked. Dennis Moncada, the foreign minister of Nicaragua, said that the Organization of American States, the OAS, is the instrument of the U.S. government for interference in the internal affairs of nations in the region. The diplomat reiterated in an exclusive interview broadcast by Telesur for the program S. Noticia that, quote, Nicaragua makes full use of its sovereign rights. We have taken the decision to announce the OAS charter and disassociate ourselves from that organization. The OAS cons continues to be the instrument created by the United States to protect its hegemonic policy of intervention, threat and aggression against the countries of Latin America and the Caribbean. Earlier, Foreign Minister Moncada, on instruction from President Daniel Ortega, announced that his Central American nation initiated the process of withdrawal from the OAS with the purpose of, quote, putting an end to an unfriendly, offensive and outrageous relationship for Nicaragua. He further stated that the actions of the OAS, quote, have been a reality and they continue to take advantage of the subordination of some governments of Latin America and the Caribbean that do not respond to the interests of their respective peoples. 
Those reports were from Radio Havana, Cuba. Cuba's website is working well at radiohc.cu, but the podcast links are not updated. On shortwave, Cuba may be heard from noon to 1 p.m. at 15140, and from 5 p.m. to 11 at either 6000, 6060, or 6100. If you have questions or comments about the shortwave report or could assist me by supporting this listener-funded program, I may be reached through the website and PayPal or by writing to Dan Roberts at P.O. Box 1162, Willits, California, 95490. Please help me continue producing this weekly show, which I freely distribute to radio stations and the Internet, like a listener in Trinidad, California, and Austin, Texas did this week. Many, many thanks. We will conclude with Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. As COVID infections are rapidly increasing in Europe, several countries have placed new restrictions on citizens. There were many large protests last weekend against vaccine mandates, and the German health minister warned that by the end of winter, everyone will either have been vaccinated, cured, or dead. The new German coalition of Social Democrats, Greens, and Free Democrats are working on dealing with the 100,000 COVID deaths in Germany and the need to take rapid action to limit the climate catastrophe. Then some COVID reports and the U.S. is supplying Ukraine with ammunition and patrol boats for military exercises. Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. Well, we start off with attempts across Europe to stem the COVID crisis. In response to skyrocketing cases, Austria has gone back to a full lockdown, the first country in Europe to reimpose this nationwide measure as a disturbing surge in COVID-19 infections hits the continent. On Sunday, tens of thousands turned out in the capital, Vienna, to protest against the lockdown measures. Now, Christmas markets, bars, restaurants, and most shops have closed. For at least the next 10 days, people can only leave their homes to go to work, to exercise or shop for essential items. Germany has posted yet another record number of COVID-19 cases. Now, for the first time in the seven-day average, has now reached almost 400 infections per 100,000 people. The situation is worsening um, and is having repercussions elsewhere. Now, the United States has warned its citizens against traveling to Germany, saying even fully vaccinated travelers may be at risk of getting and spreading the virus. The U.S. also elevated its travel warning for Denmark. The massive rise in cases has prompted Germany's health minister to issue a blunt warning, saying everyone will either be vaccinated, cured or dead by the end of the winter. Now, authorities are deliberating tougher restrictions and how to get more jabs into people's arms. Just a few months ago, it seemed like the pandemic was under control. But the situation has taken a turn for the worse. 100,000 people have now died of COVID-19 in Germany, one of just 14 countries that have reached that mark. Now, the death rate reached a peak last winter, then fell away during the summer this year. But a few weeks ago, infections and fatalities began quickly rising again. Health authorities say hospitals are already facing an acute overload. Some patients have been sent abroad to ease the strain. 
and the total of new infections is hitting new record daily heights. Let's bring in DW political correspondent Simon Young. Welcome, Simon. Uh, what's the incoming government saying about tackling Germany's dramatic increase in COVID infections? Well, Phil, it's very clear that uh, the new government uh, under Olaf Scholz has already uh, recognised, or the, the government's about to uh, come in soon, has recognised that the pandemic uh, and these uh, worrying rising infection numbers and uh, increasing pressure on the healthcare system, that is their first major challenge for all that they've got big plans to uh, reform uh, Germany's economy and uh, do something about climate change. Uh, the pandemic is really where the focus is, as you mentioned. Olaf Scholz says he's going to have a, a, a crisis uh, committee uh, permanently under his direct supervision in the Chancellery, uh, coordinating and uh, you know, bringing together different departments. Uh, Chancellor Merkel says that during the transition phase, the next couple of weeks, um, She's ready to support that and, uh, and, and, and get that underway, as it were. Of course, Merkel has faced uh, criticism that she uh, was listening to too few experts and uh, had too narrow a, a, a group of advisers. So it'll be interesting to see if the new government is more open-minded. But certainly there's a debate in Germany right now about compulsory vaccinations, about tougher lockdowns. And for instance, uh, uh, one of the co-leaders of the Green Party, Robert Harbeck, has been saying, today, you know, if the measures, uh, the tightening that's already been agreed and announced doesn't show an effect within the next few days, is how he put it, then they really are going to have to think about uh, tougher measures going forward. Right. Well, one of the three coalition uh, parties, uh, the Greens, they have started the process of ratifying the coalition deal. Uh, they're asking their 125,000 members to vote on it. So tell us more about their plans for governing. Yes, this coalition deal has got the climate uh, and decarbonisation right at the heart of it. Uh, it's mentioned pretty well on every area uh, of policy. And of course, that's something that uh, the Greens can very much uh, get behind. Uh, for instance, exiting coal by 2030, they hope, and uh, raising the, uh, the renewable energy sources to 80% uh, in Germany uh, by the same, over the same sort of time span. Uh, so there's a lot of support for that. There's also some scepticism within green ranks, particularly younger greens say that we're not really on the 1.5 degree pathway uh, that uh, the party's leaders are, are promising. So we'll have to see. There's also quite a lot on social policy, uh, though, reforming, for instance, Germany's citizenship laws, lowering uh, the uh, voting age to 16, legalising cannabis. There's a lot of different policies that the uh, new government is looking at. Uh, and uh, over the next 10 days, the Green membership will have a chance to vote on it. Uh, and we fully expect that uh, the majority will support this uh, new government plan. In South Africa, which has detected a new COVID-19 variant. Scientists are working to understand its implications. France is making booster shots available to all adults. Restrictions such as face masks and health pass checks will also be increased to curb a fifth wave of infection. And Turkey has applied for emergency authorization for its domestically developed COVID-19 vaccine, Turkovac. The country's health minister is hoping the shot will be available by the end of the year. Israel has started rolling out vaccinations for 5 to 11-year-olds. Children in that age group account for more than a third 
of daily new cases in the country. And France's prime minister has tested positive for COVID-19. That's after returning from a visit to Belgium. He said he would work in isolation for the next few days. And the Dutch prime minister, Mark Ritter, has condemned three nights of unrest over anti-COVID measures. More than 130 people have been arrested since the riots broke out last Friday. Ukraine has held large-scale military drills amid concern over a buildup of Russian troops near its border. The United States has provided Ukraine with ammunition and patrol boats. Kiev accuses Russia of preparing for an attack, an allegation the Kremlin denies. Those reports were from Germany's radio Deutsche Welle, which may be heard at a combined audio-video website, DW.com, as well as on YouTube at their channel called DW News. One of my goals in producing this show is to encourage people like you to listen to international broadcast, get a global perspective. Every Thursday evening, I post a new shortwave report at the website for this show. That's www.out farpress.com. At my website, you can also listen to past shows. Please consider making a safe donation online through PayPal. There's a link at my website along with the podcast link and get advice for listening at home. This shortwave report, which is now in its 25th year of production, remains free to rebroadcast upon notification. The shortwave report is produced and distributed off the electrical grid in Northern California using solar panels. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. Thanks for listening.